The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Okay, just a reminder at uh, 3.35, 3.36 is your chance to win Chicago tickets. They're playing uh, the Jubilee on September 5th when you hear the Chicago tune. Be the first person to correctly identify the song at 4960063 and you'll win your way in. Please right now to welcome to the studio Ward 1 City Councillor Andrew Knack. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. How uh, you a big fan of Chicago? I mean, I appreciate them, but they're a little before my time today. Oh, sorry, wow. Sorry. Actually, I think you may be the youngest person in the room right that's, now. Yeah, well, that's all the time we have for yeah, Andrew Knack. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, there's lots of different ways we can go with this. Of course, we want our listeners to call in at 496-0063. Off the top of the show, we asked them to text us, and a lot of texts have already come in. But I thought as a jumping-off point, we could perhaps talk about some of the more recent things mm-hmm. uh, the council is talking about. Um, not the least of which, of course, September 12th, we're going to revisit uh, cannabis mm-hmm. uh, Ooh, and laws. We'll, I want to talk to you about that. That, that should be a good yeah. one. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but what about, uh, I know one of your areas of specific interest is uh, infill and taking care of the uh, population growth in Edmonton. So um, what is meant to be solved by licensing suites in duplexes and townhouses? What is meant to be solved by that? I mean, it's not going to solve everything. It's just one piece to the overall puzzle. We've lost, particularly uh, within our mature neighborhoods over the last 40 years or so, uh, about 76,000 people. Uh, And so you see that impacting a lot of the local schools because they don't have the same population. You see that impacting those local businesses that just don't have the population Mm -hmm. to sustain anymore. So trying to provide additional opportunities for more people to move back into our mature communities is one of the key things. So allowing sweet in, in duplexes or row housing development, uh, it's just one more piece to the puzzle. It's not going to uh, massively increase populations. We saw that with secondary suites back in 2009. There have only been 3,500 in the last decade. Uh, but it's just one more piece. If you're looking to buy in a mature community, maybe that serves as a mortgage helper because right now buying in a mature community is often far more expensive than buying in the suburban communities. So how do we get more people back? And that's one tool to doing it. But also the safety there illegal secondary suites. Well, and that's what I wanted to ask yeah. you about. Do you have any numbers on how many illegal secondary suites there are out there? I'm guessing you don't. Can yeah. you guesstimate? Have you... It's so tough. Our bylaw team, as part of that, the report that we were discussing when we were debating this on Monday, it said we really don't have a way to tell because we only get compl- you know, complaints yeah. from people about a particular unit. Uh, but how many other ones have are there that nobody's complained about? Maybe even the person living in it doesn't realize it's not a legal suite and it's not quite as safe as it needs to be. So this will provide that opportunity to bring some of those additional ones into compliance because they won't be penalized for the next year to bring it back uh-huh. up. Yeah. We, we're talking about this off the... <laughs> Off the top of the show, I don't know if you were listening from two to two thirty or not, but we got talking about okay. So we're 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 doing these new suites. Uh, you can do the secondary rental suites and duplexes and townhomes. But what rules do they have to follow? Because if it's nitpicking right down to the end, you could be 
tearing a hunk out instead of scratching you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's there's always some uh, you know the the rules and getting into the specifics i don't have every single one there's fire code regulations mm-hmm. there's there's different pieces but uh there, there are certain aspects of having fire rated uh walls in place mm-hmm. and having proper soundproofing in place um these are some of the things that are really critical for the person actually living in that environment and again there there's probably a lot of people now living in an environment not up to code yeah and this allows us to bring it back up and uh and the hope would be that people who have maybe not been following the rules use this as an opportunity to come back into compliance uh both for the benefit of themselves because they will be fined and the city does issue fines on that uh but also for the people living there i'll be honest with you i lived i had a house when i first moved here i lived in allendale mm-hmm. um 106 62nd avenue there was a suite downstairs that we rented out for years before well actually yeah for years never thought anything about it the house that's the way it was when we bought it and we just kept going no idea no permit no uh, I don't really know. is and there for, a statute of limitations on yeah, that that was, like, right. that was six years seven years <laughs> don't want to do the show by that. myself uh, among the uh, requirements and this is not an exhaustive list would be a dedicated parking spot a separate entrance uh, separate heating ventilation system uh, separate from the main unit. Units uh, can also only be rented, not sold off a separate property. But what, what wasn't on the list, and as I say, this isn't a con- all-inclusive list, I, I'm thinking about the situation in Vancouver these days, and there was an article a couple of days ago <laughs> about a woman who's now living in a tent in the backyard of a house, and she's paying $1,000 rent. And the reason she's doing that is because she signed a, an agreement to pay the $1,000 for what she believed to be one of three rooms. But the owner of the... Uh, the uh, structure rented it out to 19 other people so (laughs) my question is are you looking at that aspect of it that if you're allowing suites in duplexes townhomes and so on to solve that the problem that you described are you also going to make sure that people aren't being taken advantage of that way that they're overcrowding those suites yeah we we do have some rules in place around group homes which are uh, uh, three or I think it's three or more unrelated people living in a household or families in that regard so uh, it could be three or more, or it could be four. I just can't remember the sure. hard number. But there is something already in place. Uh, and you do see that occasionally where people are taking advantage of uh, maybe people new to Canada uh, and yes. and might not know everything. And so they've rented it out to six different people. Mm-hmm. And that's an impact to the overall neighborhood too. Uh, when you have uh, potentially so many people crowded together in unsafe living environment. So we do have some ways to deal with that already. And, uh, and we've had to deal with that occasionally, at least in the couple of years I've been on. I'm thinking that parking could be a challenge if if each, you know, is is, is supposed to have their own vehicle. When I lived in a duplex in Terwilliger mm-hmm. Town, mm-hmm. Um, and we know, and Andrew, you live over there too, they're parking, parking on the road, and if, if you're lucky, if you have the one parking pad in the back, that could be a bit of a challenge for some folks. That That's going to be an interesting aspect to this. It is. Uh, I think when you look at, and it's actually typically a bigger challenge in some of the newer neighborhoods, mm-hmm. And right in the core, uh, a lot of the older mature communities, uh, even where I live in in the community of Jasper Park, I mean, you could go at 10 o'clock at night uh, and go down almost any local street and you'll be lucky if you find 20% of the stalls used up in my neighborhood. Mm. But the new neighborhoods, yeah, they get packed up fairly quickly, which is why there's still that requirement for an additional parking stall for that suite. Because what we've seen from other cities is that on average, uh, people living in those suites have, I think it's 1.05 cars per 
additional mm-hmm. suite. So you're pretty much uh, that one for one piece. So as long as you have that requ- that requirement in place for that parking stall, uh, I don't see you're going to see any additional pressure because they'll have to have that on the property. This almost sounds like be better off for new builds for townhouses and duplexes and that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... And that compared to, certainly be compared easier. to existing, yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost... And probably less expensive. Well, yeah. it, it'll almost be impossible to do it for okay. row housing right now, existing row housing, because the fire code requirements for row housing to, uh, to redo it is going to be incredibly cost prohibitive and the parking piece would be challenging. But absolutely, I think as you see new builds go up in mature communities or new builds go up in those newer communities, you can build and plan for that accordingly. But even still, you know, what we've heard is it's not going to be widespread. And again, okay. we have 3,500 suites, secondary suites over the last 10 years. Uh, less than 2% of single family homes have it that's likely to carry over, if not even fewer. Um, not every person who purchases a townhome will want a secondary suite, so the market's not going to demand that in every case. Mm-hmm. Certain people will, and there'll be a benefit, but it's just one more choice for people. I can see already that we're going to have to keep you for the full hour. <laughs> um, so still on the topic of housing, before we take our first break, let's talk about affordable housing mm-hmm. for a second. So a council has just recently agreed to a citywide 16% affordable housing goal. So it's, it's a goal that you'd like to have 16%. Um, that includes all neighborhoods in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And you know the pushback immediately is going to be that affordable housing doesn't make sense in some neighborhoods. That's what you're going to hear. So tell me why it makes sense and why we need it. Well, I think the, the simple piece is we've got a huge uh, housing shortage right now. There are people living on our streets still. There are people without the basic supports needed to to thrive in the city. And uh, I, I think, you know, if you if you went to any person today and asked, should everyone have a home? everyone's going to say yes. Sure. Yes, the challenges do come up when you start to talk about the specifics in each neighborhood. But if we all subscribe to the theory that, yes, every person deserves the opportunity to have a home, to have the necessary supports to succeed, then we all have to be willing to look at our own communities and say, well, then let's do it here too, because we have to do it everywhere. Um, How do you start dealing with it? Well, I think the more affordable housing that gets built, supportive housing that gets built, you know, I've had a chance, the one best part about this job you get to go experience a lot of these things so i've gone touring a lot of these buildings and these buildings where you're getting that support whether it's 24 7 support or just that occasional check-in um those buildings are often far better run than those you know maybe old apartment buildings that are Mm. in in my neighborhood as an example that maybe aren't being kept up even the landscaping isn't being addressed yet these buildings you go to any one of them they're being so well kept the people living there are passionate about helping uh make their community better they're the ones doing the work. I know there's one we have in Kenora. Kenora Place is phenomenal. That there, Everyone that lives in Kenora Place is there contributing to better the community, to make it uh, to make it a more beautiful place through the landscaping, through cleaning mm-hmm. up the neighborhood. But how do you ensure that will be the case? Because that's yeah. going to be the pushback, mm-hmm. whether it's anecdotal or not, that I don't want to have affordable housing in my neighborhood because it's going to bring down the value of my house because they're not going to take care of it. We do already have affordable housing in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. and I would challenge anyone to point out where it is. We, we just want it to be uh, look good and be well-maintained, but how do we ensure that will be the case? Well, I think all of the past examples that you've seen in the last five years even are, are showing that and proving that time and time again. You need to see more of that come out and be built for people to be able to really get into it and buy into it. Uh, but I, I think there's... I think we, we maybe don't give people the credit that they maybe deserve. I think more people are supportive than not. Yes, we've all heard there were stories, you know, five or six years ago in one particular area where there was pushback, but 
that was a one. Well, that was example. also my area. <laughs> and you know, and I get that there was some frustration. I think one of the things you do is you start that consultation early. Mm-hmm. I know Jasper Place Health and Wellness, who does a lot of work in the West End, they sat down with residents in Glenwood uh, just uh, two weeks ago in advance saying, we want to do this and build some housing. Mm-hmm. And there were some people who attended who were originally on fire. They were mm-hmm. hugely upset. And then they learned about what they were getting, what was built. But there's built. a huge difference between a shelter and affordable housing. There's mm-hmm. a huge difference. Yeah, And it, therein lies part of the problem when it comes to not in my neighborhood, right? That's fair. That's fair. But I think what we're really trying to focus on when we talk about the 16% really does focus on the housing aspect because we, th- these people are already living in our neighborhoods. They might not have a home, but they're they're in our parks. They're in places where they're not getting the support they need, where they're not able to stay healthy. Um, so you know, we we might have a blind eye to that. But but go to any neighborhood right now. There there are challenges that exist. There are people who need that additional support. And I think we can get behind that. It would be better for them to be be in a home where they're receiving the support than better than be in our streets or on our parks not getting that support. Hmm. Ward One City Councilor Andrew Nack joining us in studio this afternoon. Um, and it looks like it's going to be till four o'clock. <laughs> so we've already started. Four nine six zero zero six three six thirty six thirty. The text line. If you have a question for the counselor, we'll take a break here. More with Councillor Knack right after this. It is uh, three twenty-two again. Three thirty-five. Listen for that Chicago song. Four nine six zero zero six three. Identify it. You're uh, on your way in. Larry's been on the phone this afternoon, wanting to talk to Ward One City Councilor Andrew Knack. Hi, Larry. You're on with the councilor. Hi, Andrew. Andrew and Jay. Hey, listen, Andrew. In regards to the old remand center, I lived there for a little while, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but if it was utilized for the homeless or for drug addiction. The rehab facility. You guys ever thought of that? Yeah, for, thanks for the call. And and it's something that has come up quite a bit over the last number of years. And a number of different social organizations have looked into it. Um, I think what we've heard a lot from some of the local communities and when we've talked about this affordable housing across the cities, we don't want to over-concentrate any one particular area. And the work that would be required to renovate that building is actually fairly extensive internally um, in order to make it not feel mm-hmm. like a, a, an, institution. an institution. And so I think How that's... They got elevators and change a few doors. And and I'm not sure that it will get torn down. That's uh, but it's just in terms of using it for affordable housing. That's a separate conversation. But I do think there's something that can happen on that site. Whether it's yeah. that uh, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity. But I know there are a number of different groups who've looked at that to try. But wasn't and there just a study that came out just in the past week about looking about the cost effectiveness of that? Saying, whoa, that's going to be really expensive to try to. Switch certainly, over right Rexall that comes up in yeah. that conversation. And Rexall would be another one. Yeah. The other one is the Charles Campbell. You know, I think there's only the fourth floor that's used in that hospital. Use that for a rehab facility. Well, that's, going, that's turning into condos, isn't it? Yeah. Addiction problem. Larry, appreciate your phone call. Thanks for taking the time. 
Council is uh, being turned yeah, into that's right. condos. Yeah, I think. Uh, so let's do, uh, Andrew, before we take our uh, break for news, let's do a rapid round, shall we? All right. Uh, from our text team. One of the biggest issues is digging up roads to adapt pipes to handle the increased density. Is the city changing codes on new developments to handle density changes in the future? That from Alan in Morinville. Uh, short, an- short answer, yes. <laughs> uh, but the actually part of that report uh, required us to engage with EPCOR and talk about the existing utilities and there's actually a lot of capacity because of that huge population Ooh. drop over the last number of years so we actually have far more capacity than I think a lot of people would expect in most of the mature neighborhoods. How about this one? Could you ask the councillor which genius <laughs> <laughs> in the traffic planning department decided it was a good idea to make pedestrian crossing lights turn red every 60 seconds 24 hours a day. Well, actually, uh, that's not every intersection. So I'm curious about which one, uh, which one they're talking about. The way it's set up is that uh, those pedestrian-activated ones uh, can take up to two to three minutes, and we are looking at that across the city because during rush hour you might want to set it up for a longer interval time, but outside of rush hour you probably don't need to worry about setting it at these uh, artificial intervals. So I, I don't know about that specific one. If they if they have some requests, they can let us know, and I can always dig into. Oh, I promised a listener the other day I would ask you mm-hmm. this. So on uh, Eskimo Day, when was that uh, Saturday, the Eskimo game? Uh, the LRT was shut down um, for testing, for, yeah. which I thought, by the way, was very optimistic of the city to believe that it would be back up and running, but apparently it was. Um, do you know the results of that testing? I haven't heard yet, no. So I, I think we'll likely get an update soon, but uh, I imagine they need to do some analysis based off that testing. Did you tighten up a little a bit when I said LRT? <laughs> no, I, I love LRT. <laughs> well, we I all wonder. do. <laughs> yeah, We'd we like just... it to run uh, on exactly. time and properly. Yes. Yeah. 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 At full speed. And stop being trapped at 51st Avenue and 111th. And <laughs> oh. ugh, it was again today. Took me an extra 10 minutes to get to work. But anyway, I digress. Uh, do we have time? Sure. One more uh, from 30 Mr. Seconds. Knock. Okay. 30 second answer. Is it true garbage and recycling? pickup will change mm-hmm. to all curb pickup uh, even if the property has a back alley. Uh, unlikely for that. We'll have some more discussion about it tomorrow, actually. So that's where all of this gets sorted out. But I don't imagine we'll shift to front pickup. I, I think that's one of the few changes that wasn't really a, a, a big positive. Are there some big changes with the amount of recycling and everything that we're going to be able to put out, the number of bags and that sort of thing? Comes up. We'll be talking all about it tomorrow. All to right, see. pause, mm. pause. Let's talk more <laughs> about that because that actually really gets me going a little bit. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.